Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hey, this is Tommy Chong, and you're listening to Fascination Street Podcast. I like being on Fascination Street. You know, things fascinate me. <laughs> I believe that everybody has a story, and I'm fascinated to hear them. So come with me as we take a walk down Fascination Street. Welcome back, Streetwalkers. This episode is with Broadway producer Mark David Levine. In this episode, we chat about where he grew up and what got him into the Broadway scene. Why does a kid growing up want to all of a sudden produce Broadway plays and Broadway musicals? So we talk all about that. We talk about some of his first interactions with Broadway and theater. Then we talk about all these crazy businesses he started all along the way because he just can't stay idle. We talk about his experience with Hades Town, which he won a Tony Award for. It won eight, but he, he got one. And we talk a little bit about the show Company, which uh, started in the West End in London and won Olivier Awards, and he got one of those too. And it's moving to New York. It's got Patti LuPone in it, man. Obviously, we talk about the upcoming Broadway revival of American Buffalo by David Mamet and his involvement with that. And the new show that's coming out in a few weeks called Fly More Than You Fall. It was such a pleasure to talk to Mark. He is so affable. I was hitting him with crazy things left and right, and he just rolled right along with it like like we were old friends. So, Mark, I appreciate your time, and I appreciate your, your generosity of spirit. And uh, thanks for rolling with the punches on that one. I appreciate you. This is my conversation with the founder of Gemini Theatrical Investors, LLC, and producer of many Broadway productions and West End productions and off-Broadway productions and off-off-Broadway productions, Mark David Levine. Welcome to Fascination Street Podcast, Mark David Levine. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. Thank you very much. Pleasure to uh, be chatting with you today. It is my pleasure to speak with you. Now, on my show, you don't know this, nor should you. On my show, I have had uh, Emmy winners, multiple Emmy winners, Golden Globe winners, Grammy winners, multiple Grammy winners, multi-platinum selling artists, you name it. But I've never had a Tony Award winner. So thank you so much, man. Wow. I'm getting closer wow. to that EGOT status all by myself. Wow, I'm very happy to be first. That's awesome. Thank you. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, streetwalkers, if you will, this is Mark David Levine. He is a producer, and he founded the Gemini Theatrical Investors, LLC. He produces plays all over Broadway, plays and musicals. We're going to get to all that later. But first, Mark, I like to start out from the beginning. It helps us understand how people got from where they were to where they are if we kind of take a walk in their moccasins, so to speak. So where were you born and raised, man? Where'd you grow up? I was born in Bayside, Queens, June 6, 1966. So I am born 6666. It's a little jumpstart to the craziness that uh, the last 55 years have brought me. Wow. I was born in Bayside, Queens, and I grew up on Long Island and 
now living in the wonderful borough of Manhattan here in New York. Okay, first we got to go back to how you were born on the devil's birthday. What's going on there, buddy? <laughs> let, let, let me get my mom on the line. I, I don't know how she, she held off. She wanted to give me an original birthday and a common name, Mark David. So I got the standard name, but the really unique birthday. I'm very happy with how that has turned out so far. Well, I think that's rad. Shout out to you, Karen. <laughs> yes, thanks, Mom Karen. <laughs> Shout out to Karen in Long Island. That's right. Shout out to the only Karen in Long Island that matters. We need to put positive energy on that name, Karen. And that is going to be my next project. Karens are great women. They're inspirational women. I see what you're doing there. And I'm just going to go on record yet again and say, I can't stand that Karen has become a thing. It bothers the shit out of me. And I don't even recognize it as a thing. So in my eyes, all Karens are the good things. Hashtag Karens are good things. You and I are going to start that hashtag. There'll be commercials and stuff with great Karens doing inspirational stuff. My mother will star in them and I'll, I'll be her manager. Then. Oh, that's going to be fantastic. I can't wait. I'm going to be that guy sitting just on the other side of the camera eating chips loudly. Good. All right. You're a loud chip eater. Now I've learned something <laughs> about you today as well. Awesome. So Mark, you grew up in Long Island. Yeah. And my mother did community theater. While I was growing up. Like Mousetrap and things like that? Oh, yeah, that, that's correct. Someone has done their homework very well. What? I didn't even know that was part of my... It's not. Oh, it's not? It's not part of your bio that your girl sent me. Wow, that's really weird. How'd you come up with the Mousetrap then? Because, yes, she did do regional theater of Mousetrap in Long Island when I was growing up for two years. It was one of your first memories of going to plays, even. That is absolutely correct. That was, yes, let me just pull that out of a hat, but I'm, I'll have to do my research on you now. Oh, and also wait for it. You know, when I was a kid, well, when I grew up and I got money, I bought my mom all of the merchandise that said mousetrap on it. Wait a minute. That's you. Hold on. What's going on here? Nobody could see this, but I'm smiling at the screen going, what am I missing here? So if there was a video, everyone would be like, why is he? Mark's smiling and going, ah, now I get it. Why is he just smiling and blinking? That's yeah, so weird. Yeah, something just hit me over the head. I'm not, you know, a little naive and gullible at times. And Stephen has caught me in that in the first two minutes of us chatting. Holler. Mark, what did you want to be when you grew up? What did I want to be when I grew up? I don't know. I asked you, man. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure that out at 55. I'm constantly restructuring and rebranding uh, and redeveloping my passions. Um, I always wanted to go into business. I worked for my dad a lot starting when I was six years old. My dad is and was a CPA. What were you doing for him at six? I was like answering the phones or, you know, checking people in when they came in to get their tax returns done and filing my dad's workers' cigarettes under cancer in the filing cabinets and doing all the stuff that annoying six to eight year olds do. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. I always knew I wanted to go into business. I um, ran concession stands at Little League Games. Then when I went to college, I designed t-shirts and sold t-shirts door to door. Tell me more about that. I'm super curious about how one designs t-shirts and then, did you say door to door? Yeah, door to door, in the dorms. So dorm to dorm. The dorms are dorms and it kept me busy at night. I went to Indiana University for freshman and sophomore year in Bloomington, Indiana. I wound up there. It was a great business school. And when I was 16 or 17, I spent a summer doing volunteer work in Canelton, Indiana, the southern tip of Indiana. Spent five days a week there, actually a month there, working nine to five during the week with uh, 17 other teenagers. Was that WORC? No, no, no. When I was young, my mother started an organization called the Working Organization for Retired Children. And I went door to door back when I was seven to 10 to help raise money to get kids out of institutions back then and into group homes. Then I spent a summer in Indiana doing volunteer work when I was 16, 17. A year later, wound up going to Indiana University. What was your major? What did you go to school for? I went to school. I majored in marketing. After two years at Indiana University, I designed T-shirts sold them door to door in the dorms. I started a bus charter travel company, chartering buses to get students home for the holidays. Really? Yeah. A lot of students didn't have cars at Indiana University. And right. a big percentage of them lived in Chicago, Nashville, and I think 
one other city. And I would charter Greyhound buses and get kids home. I'm going to guess Louisville. Everybody else lived in Louisville. Yeah. Anything that ends with an L. Nashville, Louisville. Chicagoville. Oh, Chicagoville. I love Chicagoville. Yeah, hello. And then after two years years in Bloomington, Indiana, transferred to Boston University. Okay, so why marketing? So I like sales. I've always been into sales. I've always been entrepreneurial. I mean, if you're going door to door selling t-shirts, I have to imagine that sales does excite you in some way. It does. And it got a little bit easier in BU because the shirt we designed it in Boston got sold in the campus bookstore. So it was less door to door walking in Boston. Okay. So when you were in Indiana University selling t-shirts dorm to dorm, what what was those t-shirts? Were they university based or were they? In Indiana, there's something called the Little 500, which is a big bike race every year, which was the subject of the movie Breaking Away. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a Dennis Quaid, right? Correct, Dennis Quaid. So I designed a shirt with like a Disney-esque character riding a bicycle that said Indiana University on it. How cool is that? So did you have the university's permission or? (laughs) No, Indiana University. And the next subject would be what? (laughs) <laughs> exactly. So then why did you switch to uh, BU, to Boston University? I loved Indiana University for two years, but I wanted to get back to the East Coast. I know what it was. After two years, they were like, hey, have you been selling t-shirts that have a uh, Indiana University on them? And you were like, no, got to go. See you later. Bye. Are you in law enforcement? And is there a, <laughs> wait, after how many years could people... Be contacted for seven. You're okay. That was seven seven years ago. I'm trying to forget it. You just bring it back up. Boy, I hope your next guest is a therapist or something. Because after this chat, I'm going to definitely need some medical attention. (laughs) Thank you. So why Boston University? Why did you make that switch? I love the East Coast. BU has a great business school. And I knew I wanted to go into business. My family is in New York. And I love the opportunity to be a little bit closer And in a major city, you know, Boston has that same big city vibe. So I had the Midwest big city rah-rah experience for two years. And then coming to Boston gave me a different feel. So I have the best of both types of college experiences. So what did you think about Indiana having grown up in one of the most populated, biggest cities on the planet to move into basically, you know, Midwest small town? I love the Midwest. I love the summer that I spent doing volunteer work there, even though we were working 40 hours a week and only really had the weekends free. But on the weekends when I did the volunteer work, we did explore. We went away on the weekends to Louisville, Nashville, everything within two hours of Carrollton, Indiana. And I liked the vibe. After growing up on the East Coast, I wanted something different. Well, it's certainly different over there. It was different. It was a great experience. I've been back to Bloomington several times in the last 15, 20 years. I have a great group of friends in the Midwest, in Chicago, and a full circle moment. The director for Fly More Than You Fall is a Chicago-based director. One of many full circle moments that are tying me to the Midwest. Well, I think that's lovely. Why did you do charity work? Why did you volunteer? I know that when you were a kid and your mom created that organization and you helped her with that a little bit, but was it a scholastic thing? Were you trying to win like a presidential achievement award? Like what's going on? Why did you do this volunteer work when you were in college? Yeah, I had an aunt who was in a group home growing up. My mother was very charitable. Her and her friend saw the need to start an organization to help get um, people, adults, young adults, out of these group institutions, Geraldo Rivera, while I'm really dating myself, a very popular newscaster back in the 60s and 70s, did an expose on the mistreatment of people in these group institutions. And her and her friend decided that they wanted to start this organization to do something about it and to try to help raise money to build group homes. And that's how that foundation organization was started. And you know, I'm that door-to-door guy. So I thought it would be something I just wanted to do. And I went door-to-door and I raised money. Back when I was, whatever, eight, nine, ten, the thought of doing things to get into college was just not on my mind. It was just, it's very different. Back then, things just happened because people wanted to do it. And I know differently now, people are, from a very young age, geared towards doing things that will help them or benefit them or whatever, 15 years later. I was really talking about when you were in college, you know, I mean, 
clearly you went to college to party and to have a good time. So why did you, Why? I mean, you were donating like 40 hours a week of your time volunteering. Because I started doing it as a kid. I volunteered. I went door to door. I sold stuff and started these side businesses and still made it through four years of college and graduated with an award for the you know top marketing student in Boston University when I graduated really? in 88. Yeah. Do you still have it? Where is it? You know, I have that in my apartment. Oh, good. I think I have that in my apartment. Good. You should keep it. Maybe Karen has it. Oh, Karen. Thanks, Karen. Do you still have a room at your your parents' house? They just left it exactly as it was. <laughs> no, my parents like sold the house a few years ago. They downsized. So no more Mark Levine room in that house. Well, there's a shrine to you somewhere in that house. The shrine sounds so final. I don't want to. Sh- the, the word scares me. <laughs> I don't want anyone having a shrine of, of me. I don't even want people having pictures. Hey, Streetwalkers. Here's a word from our sponsors. So I ran into previous guest of the show, Chris Gronkowski, the other day, and it went a little something like this. Hey, Steve. Hey, Chris. Hey, you know what sucks? When I get done with my workout at the gym, my protein shake's not cold anymore, man. It's room temperature. <laughs> Weird. I haven't run into you at the gym lately. Busted. Okay, truth be told, I don't work out, but I do get thirsty after a long day of podcasting. I just can't seem to keep my cocktails cold. You should use an ice shaker. What's an ice shaker? The ice shaker is a double wall, vacuum insulated, stainless steel shaker bottle with a patented twist and agitator that breaks up the protein powders. So you're saying I should switch to an ice shaker, take out the agitator so I can fit more ice in the cup and it'll stay cold longer? Steve, you don't need more ice. The ice shaker is third-party tested and verified to keep your drink cold for 30-plus hours. Chris, you're a genius. I'll still remove the patented screw-in agitator and just add more booze. I guess technically you could, but if you actually use the ice shaker as a protein drink cup, the agitator breaks up the powder and doesn't bounce around like you're shaking a paint can. Why are we still talking? Let's party. Grog style! That's right, Streetwalkers. Ice Shaker is the new sponsor at Fascination Street Podcast. Ice Shaker is made from kitchen-grade stainless steel so it doesn't smell all funky after you use it a couple of times like those cheap plastic ones. When I'm out and about doing interviews or partying Gronk style, I use the Fascination Street Podcast Edition 26-ounce Flex Ice Shaker Cup and it keeps my drink cold until the sun comes up. You saw Ice Shaker on Shark Tank. All five sharks made an offer with Mark Cuban and Alex Rodriguez closing the deal. Now you can get a deal too. Order your own 26 ounce flex cup right now at iceshaker.com and use the promo code FSP for $5 off your first order. Once again, that's iceshaker.com, promo code FSP, as in Fascination Street Pod, for $5 off your first order. That's iceshaker.com, promo code FSP. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Let's get back into it. Okay, now while you were in college, and I don't know which college it was since you went to all of them, but when you were in college, your parents invested in their first Broadway show, The Tap Dance Kid, which starred, wait for it, Alfonso Ribeiro. Hidden Battle and Alfonso Ribeiro, who is now the host of America's Funniest Home Videos. He is? He is. Wow. He's come a long way from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. He was in Silver Spoons, my man. Silver Spoons, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, now America's Funniest Home Videos. 
he had a show on the Food Network for a little while that was like where he would go to factories to see how stuff was made. You know, like he'd go to the Twizzlers factory and show you behind the scenes of how it got made and stuff like that. My father loves Twizzlers. Everybody loves Twizzlers, except for Red Vine people, and we don't talk to them. Yeah, so that was their first go at the Broadway investing game. And what about that experience inspired you to do the same? I saw that show eight, I saw that show 18 times or 15 times. I loved that show. I loved the message of that show. The show actually was just redone a few months ago at City Center here in New York. The story, it's about, you know, a family where the father's a lawyer and the young daughter wants to be a lawyer and the, the son wants to be a tap dancer. And the father is no son of mine is going to be a tap dancer. And I don't care if my daughter wants to be a lawyer. You know, that family process back then, the thought of the father. Things have come obviously so full circle that way. But it was a great play. It was a really beautiful message. And to see it redone a few months after having so much history with that show was great. I took my tap dance cash jacket out of the closet, squeezed my larger than 18-year-old frame in it. You know, it was exciting to revisit that show. So you saw that play or musical a whole bunch of times when you were... When I was 18, I saw the tap dance kid a bunch of times. One of my dear friends to this day is someone who I met one night at that show. Oh, really? Yeah. I was in his wedding party a long time ago. Wow. So that show gave me the passion for seeing what it was like to be an investor through my parents' eyes and gave me the desire to eventually hope to be in the position to be able to invest in a Broadway show myself. So I've heard that one of the ways to turn a large fortune into a small fortune is to invest in a Broadway show. <laughs> There's a huge difference between, you know, buying a ticket eight times to go see Alfonso Ribeiro tap dance and seeing the investment side on the back end, like you watch your parents do it or whatever. Yeah. Were you not scared? Like what made you decide to, instead of buy a ticket to like actually invest in Broadway productions? So my first investment in a Broadway production was um, Nice Work If You Can Get It, starring Matthew Broderick. And the two producers that brought me in, we sat down at a restaurant. They talked to me about the show. They talked to me a little bit about the process of what's involved. And as you said, you know, basically, Broadway is a very risky investment. It's like opening a winery. Yes, but it's the passion of wanting to be involved with the arts and whether the arts is music or theater or a combination of both. It's like an investing in a restaurant. There are passion projects. One out of every four shows recoups, but when a show recoups, the potential for profit is a lot of fun. There's a nice potential to make some money. But a lot of people who invest with me and I've been involved with, I don't know, 12 shows, so probably I've had over 150 investors throughout the last 10 years. Name them. <laughs> You know, so yes, it's risky, but on the flip side, you're part of the process. You're part of helping to bring a show to London or a show to Off-Broadway or a show to Broadway. And that's exciting. You're part of it. You're part of the process. I tell investors, don't mortgage the house. I don't want you to put in your kids' college tuition, obviously, you know. Depends on which college they're going to go to. I mean, you know, if it's going to be Yale. Yeah, he's you know, going right, to be going to the University of Texas in next year. Oh, the most expensive school in the country. How awesome. Oh. That's crazy. Yeah. McConaughey teaches there. He teaches a class there. I'll have to go visit my niece a little more now in college. There you go. Go Longhorns. So when you're picking a play or a project to invest in, your first priority is not, or your first consideration is not, hey, this is this is going to make money. Your first concern is, is this a project that I believe in, regardless of whether I'm going to lose money? Uh, I mean, I know you're not trying to lose money. I understand that part. No, because I, I like to have skin in the game. If I'm going to ask you to invest with me and to trust- Please, please don't ask me. All right, this is- But go ahead. This is done. <laughs> Where are the podcast people that can, can invest? <laughs> I checked out your bank records as you checked out mine. And I see if we sell that lamp that you have upstairs, well, that's $14.95. All right, you're good. You're right. This is not adding up at all. <laughs> hey, you did work for your dad. I did. As I, did. A CPA. I, have, I have your last five years tax returns. <laughs> 
obviously they're not passion projects, but I want there to be, there needs to be in my my mind, some commercial viability that people are going to get their money back, hopefully make some money. I know a lot of producers don't look at it that way, but I work very hard for my money. So if I'm going to put my money in it, regardless of the amount, I want people to feel that there's something about this project that deserves to be staged and deserves to have a wide audience that can hopefully make us some money, you know? So all the projects that I've been involved with, while not necessarily financial successes, have been relatable to my investors. There's been something there that they've gotten out of it because in this world of investing, I want repeat investors. I want them to trust me and I answer all questions. I've had a lot of first-time investors call me up who want to get involved in theater. And the opportunities really outside of New York are not as great because I can go to a restaurant or a bar in New York. Half the crowd could have already been invested in a show or haven't been asked. But when I go to other cities and go to opening nights and I like to see the shows I'm involved with on tour as I go to mm-hmm. markets outside of New York. Like I was involved with On Your Feet a few years ago. I went to Dallas Summer Music Festival and saw it there and, and had a party. I want the show to appeal to a broad base. I want investors and people to outside of New York to know that it's not just New Yorkers that can get involved with theater. You know, it's theater has that impression of being such a closed circle. Yes, it does. I have investors from all over the world who ask me, like, how do we get involved? You know, what does it take? Everyone thinks you need hundreds of thousands of dollars to invest in a Broadway show. And the barrier to entry is not that scary. It's scary, but it's not mortgage or house scary. So when I get the opportunity to travel with my shows or whatever, it's so exciting meeting people that want to learn more about it and don't feel like they have to sell the lamp that's on your second floor, you know, 20 steps to the left of the staircase, or is it 25 steps? I don't know. So, I mean, it's exciting for me as we try to develop shows and see shows develop outside of New York in other areas and bring in other passionate theater people. So people think it's a huge investment or it's a huge barrier of entry to become an investor in in Broadway productions. You said that it's not mortgage your house kind of scary. I started a few years ago when I was asked to join the producing team of On Your Feet, the story of Gloria and Emilio Estefan. I had to raise double the amount that I've ever had to raise before on a Broadway show. And having been an early producer back five, six years ago, it was a lot of money. So, you know, the minimum for Broadway investments are usually about $25,000, sometimes a little more. I had a lot of friends that wanted to be part of that show. So I started Gemini Theatrical Investors LLC as a way to let people invest $5,000, $7,500, $10,000 under a bigger corporate LLC umbrella and then bundle that money to invest in a show. I've done this for most shows from then on. So we start different divisions, different LLCs, so that if you want to put in 5,000, 7,500, 10,000, you're still a part of the family, but you're not even mortgaging your neighbor's house. I don't know what you're doing, but you're, you're still a part of it for you know so much less than 25. Yes, a lot of shows won't do that. A lot of producers won't do that because it's a lot more paperwork to take five investors at five as opposed to one investor at 25. Right. But it starts opening the box, the theater box of who can access theater. So this is a pretty crude analogy, but let's just say I wanted to invest in Bitcoin and right now Bitcoin's $35,000 for one. I don't have that but I still want to invest in Bitcoin. You know, there's apps and things that make it possible where I don't have to buy a whole one. I can just buy a little piece of one. And that's kind of what you're doing, right? Like I don't need to have $25,000 to invest in, you know, Tina, the Tina Turner musical. But if I have five grand, then you'll put it with four other fools who got five grand. And then we can move on that way, right? That's exactly it. And there are several other producers that have theatrical investment funds. So this was a thing, like you didn't create the idea, you created just this specific fund, the Gemini fund? Yeah, Gemini does once for each different show, depending. What made you decide to do that instead of just knocking on the door of heavy hitters and deep pockets? Because Broadway theater needs to expand the people that feel that they can be part of it. I've taken that same thought process a little bit with Fly More Than You Fall. I want new voices involved. You know, we have two new writers. We'll talk about that later. It's giving people the opportunity to get involved. 
And absolutely, it would be easier for me to get 10 investors at 50,000 or 20 investors at 25 than it is to get 50 investors at 10. But if we don't get those 50 investors at 10, then we're not opening up and teaching people and letting them be part. And there's a world of people, like I said, that want to be part of theater. You know, Broadway theater is a passion for millions and millions of people. There are 35 shows running right now on Broadway with an average of 10,000 seats a week. You know, So it's 350,000 potential or more per week that are going to the theater from all around the United States, all around the world. But, you know, if you got them all in a room, how many of them have been given the opportunity to learn about investing? Very few. Agreed. A few years ago, well, I guess it was a couple of trips, but my wife and I finally were able to see our first Broadway shows. The first one we saw was, what's that one called? Uh, something about Alexander Hamilton. Is it called Hamilton? No, it's, I think it's just called Alexander. No, we, you know, you're right. You're right. It's Hamilton. Have I heard of that? It's pretty obscure. It might even be off, off, off Broadway at the Richard Rogers Theater. <laughs> Maybe I could try to get a ticket for that. Wait, how do you spell it? So we saw that one and we enjoyed it so much that like a month and a half later, we went back and took my mother-in-law to see it again. And it's the only Broadway play she's ever seen. And oh my God, she cried. It was amazing. That's a wonderful musical. And then we saw, what's that one? Uh, School of Rock. Oh, that's awesome. And then also we saw Waitress. That was the other one. Oh, very cool. We've had a blast. That's great that you like School of Rock. We're doing a presentation for Flymore in two weeks, and one of our unannounced Jet cast members was in the show School of Rock on Broadway. Oh, who was it? His name is Matt Bittner from School of Rock. That is the first official announcement of one of our cast members. Let's get into the upcoming <laughs> workshop. I don't know who it was because it was a, a friend of a friend, but one of the people in that cast actually it was really sweet. They invited us backstage and on stage, and uh, I got to take a picture of the audience. You know, like I, I stood on the stage and took a picture out towards the audience, and it's really cool standing up there looking out at the at the empty crowd or whatever. Like it was, it's a great perk. That's a great perk of knowing someone in the cast and getting that on stage picture. I got to take my nephew to that Hamilton show. And we got to do the same thing afterwards. And it's it's such a big thrill. It really is a big thrill. For Waitress, we sat on the front row. And the whole time, I just kept telling my wife, hey, that's Dakin Matthew. That's Dakin Matthew. And I guess I was saying it a little too loudly because he just kept staring at me through the whole <laughs> the did it during the show? I did during the show. You're that guy. Uh, you're that audience member. Ay, ay, ay. I'm a Texan. I grew up poor and in a trailer. I don't know nothing All right. about manners. <laughs> I guess not. I guess not. Okay. Super embarrassing for me. So I think I learned my lesson. He was just staring at me like crazy. And it was it wasn't like he was just staring. He was giving me like the weirdest look. It was like he couldn't remember if he knew me. Or he couldn't figure out how a bumpkin like me got to sit in the front seat <laughs> in the front row. <laughs> it was one of those looks I couldn't figure it out. Hey, Streetwalkers. Here's a word from our sponsors. Now, I didn't know how good I had it till I met some other whiskeys from the city. It turns out a small town and an even smaller batch made me the most headstrong spirit both sides of the Pecos. Call me Critical Batch. Texas bourbon. Raised by a sailor in Bulverde, Texas, bottled at 110 proof, they took me out of the barrel and didn't know which end to slap. So why don't you come taste the pure definition of bourbon? Grain to barrel to bottle. And join our little rebellion. You may all go to the liquor store. I'll be at Chaplin Distillery, 30790 Blanco Road in Bulverde, Texas. Ask for CB in the tasting room. And I'll see you soon. That was the Bourbon Talking Streetwalkers. Chaplin Distillery is proudly veteran-owned and operated. Follow them on Instagram and Facebook or go to chaplindistillery.com. And maybe I'll see you at the tasting room. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. 
Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Let's get back into it. So do you still have modelbartenders.com? Yes, we do. We, our website is under work and should be up in a few weeks. But What is modelbartenders.com? Is it exactly what I think it is? I started this company about 32 years ago. I started Premier Party. Then we shifted into model bartenders. We basically staff events all throughout the United States, including every state. We've done a bunch of events in the Texas area, and we love doing events there. The guests are so much more fun than some of our New York events. We've given opportunities. We've employed about 15,000 people in the last 30 years, actors, models, people that moved to New York to try to make it in various industries. This sounds like a TV show. I wish someone would pick it up. No, it sounds like a TV show that already happened with Kristen Bell and all kinds of people. Are you thinking Shades of Grey? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't even know what that is. The Fifty Shades of Grey movie? You better stop that. It would make a great TV show. It was called Party Down. Oh, I think I did hear that. They're actually bringing it back for another season. But yes, that's exactly what it was. It's like Premier Party Servers, Inc. or something like that. Premier Party Servers is us. I know. Michael, I'm aging. The good thing is it's a podcast and people can't see me age from 55 to 60 in the last half hour that I've been speaking to this oh, yeah. guy. He's doing a lot of shtick and I don't really understand a lot. He's like, oh, and he brings up things that I have no way. Oh, sorry. We're still here. All right. Anyway, sorry. How dare you? It's not like I brought up art consultant agent. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> art consultant? Under COVID, I took 300 pieces of art that I had and put it up on a website. Under COVID, a lot of people were working from home. A lot of people still are working from home. And Zoom, as we all know, has become very popular. And people started calling me and asking me if I had art that they could hang behind themselves for Zoom calls. Seriously? Like this? Like that? Yeah, like your Fascination Street sign behind you. So we started renting out art that we had in our collection that I've collected throughout the years to people so that they can have art hanging behind them during Zoom calls. Mark, are you offended by bad words? Am I offended by bad words? Yeah. No. Holy fuck. That's amazing. Uh, thank you. I love that idea. That is so cool. Thanks. Yeah. So we started a website so that people could look on the website and be like, oh, I like that picture. Can you ship it to me? And whatever, in Dallas or California. And then a few weeks later say, we want a different look of art to hang behind us. So they go to the website, artconsultantgent.com and take a look at all the pieces. Or they look on our Instagram account, same name, except for the .com. At Art Consultant Gent. That's been really fun. And it still keeps me busy during a time when people were not hiring staff, weren't making parties. So the Art Consultant Gent kind of was a fun thing and remains to be a fun thing to do today as people start to go back to work, but a lot of people are still working from home. And a lot of people have liked the art so much that they've kept it. They've kept it? I hope you mean they bought it. They bought it. <laughs> you can't just rent stuff and then keep it. I don't it. know. Some people are trying to get aware of that. But anyway, so yeah, that's been a really a fun COVID discovery hobby that's turned into a side business. We call it a side hustle in 2022. I think that marketing was probably the correct thing for you to go into school for because it seems like every time you have a lull in your daily life, you just start a new business. How many businesses do you have currently? You can use your fingers and your toes if you need to. Well, Premier Party Inc. is the division of model bartenders that does full-service event planning from 10 people events to thousands. People have called us to help do more than just the staffing aspect. They want us to handle everything. Right. And then model bartenders is more specifically for people who just want the staff for their events. Waiters, waitresses, bartenders, characters, entertainers, so on and so forth. 
And then our consultant gen, which we just discussed, deals with companies calling us to help consult them on purchasing art. We help develop new artists. We work a lot with new artists who contact us through Instagram that want us to help market and brand them. We work with a lot of new artists on that side of the fence. Gemini Theatrical Investors is the one we've been talking about with Broadway, off-Broadway, developing new projects and getting involved with other projects. Premier Lifestyle Management is our concierge division. Another thing that was started under COVID as a lot of clients moved out of Manhattan during COVID and didn't realize that they were going to be in their homes outside of New York for as long as they were. So a lot of our clients started asking us, can we go to their home and pack up clothing to bring them? Can we do things in their house or help them pack up? So more and more clients started calling us for chores, errands, and that type of stuff. So we started a concierge division and an Instagram account under Premier Lifestyle Management because we have so many actors, models, and people that work for us in New York that have a lot of time on their hands because theater was dead, there were no events, and no money coming in. And then we have a lot of clients that don't have time on their hands and needed things done. So it was bringing those two groups together to create this. So you want us to wait online for the new Apple iPhone. We have someone who can do that or, or theater tickets or, or whatever. For the last six years, we have a Grammy award winner who has us come into his home and put up his Christmas tree, you know, it's like a 25 foot Christmas tree design. So there's nothing that we haven't been asked to do that we can't make happen. And that just came the last few years, but even more so under COVID with people asking for kind of services like that. I think that's a really great idea. Again, um, it's sort of like you took the chocolate and the peanut butter and you put them together and then you've got your whatever the hell that commercial was for. I'm not going to ask you who that Grammy Award person is who has you do that with his Christmas tree every year because that would be gauche. But I do think it's weird that they ask you to do it in June. That's just the weird part of that story. Did I say June? No. Just making um, that up. Remember where I'm doing shtick and you have no idea what's going on? Remember? But, there but you know, is it go- I don't think it's people don't have time. No, no, no. That part's not ghost. Me asking you who that was would be ghost. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're very ghost. Yeah. So is it pronounced Hadestown or Hattiestown? How do you say it? Hadestown. Hadestown. I'm an idiot. So tell me about Hadestown, man. It won eight Tony Awards a couple of years ago. And I think that's when you got yours. Where's yours? Is yours at home next to your business award from uh, BU? <laughs> Mine is at home next to the Olivier Award that I got for the show company. Hades Town. I love, I love, I love, I love a wonderful show. Getting to go up, be part of that process was an incredibly exciting thing. And I've been involved with company a little bit longer. I had seen that in London. I was involved with Company in London with Patty LaPone. When that show announced transferring to New York, I jumped on the opportunity to continue my partnership with the producers in London and help bring that show to New York. Company won the Olivier in London. Hopefully good things will come up from Company in New York. In New York, is it with Patty? It is with Patty LaPone. I hear great things about her. Keep your eye out for her. She's going places. She's an up and comer. Huh? She is an up and comer. It's <laughs> Patty LaPone. It's a big up and comer. Keep your eyes out. That's a rising star, that kid. Bet your money on her. She's going places. And the revival, directed by Marion Elliott and starring yeah. also Katrina Link and some other wonderful, wonderful, wonderful friends of mine, opened or previously started right before COVID. Two nights before COVID, I brought a group of 120 friends and family and investors to see that show. And for many, it was the last, for most, it was the last show that we all saw before COVID. Theater shut down that Wednesday or Thursday. When the company officially opened after COVID, I brought another 140 people. And for many, it was their first show post-COVID. It's an amazing revival that's, as we enter award season here in New York, it's hopefully will be recognized and... Just got three out of Critic Circle nominations, including Outstanding Revival. So who knows? Fingers crossed. I might get to add another Tony to the mantle. Well, I hope you break both of your legs. Did I say that right? I don't. I don't know lingo. You know, you're, you're doing fine. 
You're, you're, you're okay. Now, do I understand correctly that upcoming you have American Buffalo or a revival of American Buffalo? Is that Mammoth? That's David Mamet, and it just opened a few weeks ago, starring again three actors that are going to go places Lawrence Fishburne, Sam Rockwell, and Darren Chris. Keep your eyes out for those guys. They're great. Hopefully, they'll land on their feet. It's a wonderful, wonderful revival that's in New York for the next 14 or 15 weeks. So, if anyone's a Mamet fan or a Sam Rockwell or Lawrence Fishburne or Darren Chris fan and they're in New York, I highly recommend it. I will get. Two cents in five years for every one dollar, or maybe a quarter of a nickel for every ticket sold. That's nice. To get a hundred thousand people to come, I might get a dollar in a year. Let's look at that. I'm see American Buffalo. This is going to be like picking a favorite child of all of these Broadway and West End and Off Broadway productions that you have been able to be a part of. What is your best memory of a specific project? I don't want to say what's your favorite project, but give me a good memory from being involved in one of these projects. And don't say standing on the stage accepting my Tony, <laughs> which that has to be an awesome one. <laughs> no, I enjoy each. No, no, I'm not going to accept that. I Like I said, I don't need a favorite. I just need a, a really good memory. What is a good memory that you're going to remember on your deathbed? Oh, I remember that time when I was involved with that thing because this happened. Okay. I was involved with On Your Feet. When that show went on tour, I would go to Washington, D.C. I would go to Dallas and do something for the cast after each show. So I think one of the things I remember is when On Your Feet played at the Kennedy Center. Afterwards, I made a party back in my hotel room for the cast and the crew. I ordered some pizzas, and I thought it would be like 20 people. Then it was 40 people. Then it was 80 people. Then the two pizzas were 10, the 10 were 20. And security came to the door of the room twice asking me to shut down the party and to send people home. And, I'm, and I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. The next day, as I'm checking out, they try to stop me up and say, like, you know, the, the hotel manager wants to speak to you. And I'm like, I got to go. I got to make the train. So to this day, and I think on my deathbed, I'll remember that Richard Nixon and I were like the only two people that really kind of got thrown out of the Watergate Hotel in Washington, D.C. Yeah. My party went late night. Security was trying to break down this party. It was 20, 30, 40 people and like 20 pieces. But it's the closest and it's something that I got to do for the cast of the show that when it was on Broadway, I, have, I had seen so many times. So I think that's like a funny story about being a part of the On Your Feet family. When we were in Texas, I did something similar to Ed of R in Dallas. And we all had a great time, like line dancing and stuff with that. And it's getting to meet the cast. Some of the shows are harder to meet the cast, you know, if they're smaller. But like Sideshow, which was my first show, Revival, eight years ago, On Your Feet, Company. I have friends, people that I, I love and respect in the show that I get to see and spend time with outside of the theater, which is really great, you know. Mr. Saturday Night opened two nights ago with Billy Crystal, someone else to keep your ears and eyes out for. I laughed the entire time. And that's what I get out of, I get something different out of all these shows. Like he's hysterical, right? And, and I know some people in that show as well. It's just being a part of it. And some shows more and more, you get to be a part of it. Some shows not as much, but yeah, those are some good deathbed stories. Well, I'm glad that you dug deep for those. I appreciate that. Those are awesome. I love that Watergate story. That's, that's amazing. As we're winding down here, Mark, where can people find out more information about how they can be a part of the Gemini Theatrical Investors? Yeah, absolutely. Our Instagram is located at Gemini Theatrical. My personal Instagram is Mark, M-A-R-C-D as in David Levine. And we also have that exciting new musical coming up called Fly More Than You Fall, which we are in the development process of. When is that going to open, do you think? We are doing industry presentations here in New York, May 9th and May 10th. There is a Facebook page for Fly More Than You Fall. It is a brand new, unique musical in that realm of Fun Home, Pippin, Come From Away, Dear Evan Hansen, a beautiful story. And hopefully Broadway has should have room for more new original musicals. And Fly More Than You Fall is one of those. And I would be happy to talk to people about opportunities to help get involved with the developmental of that. Gemini Theatrical Investors has a Facebook page. They can contact you if they have trouble getting through to me. 
Yeah, because I got Mark's personal email address. So everybody send your money to me and then I'll make sure he gets it. That's true. <laughs> and Steve has agreed only to take one cent out of every thousand dollars. You know, I love talking to people about theater. It shows. Yeah, I'm available. I love talking to students that are interested, high school students, college students, about the Broadway process. I want to be that mentor guy. I want to be that person you can bother the hell out of and ask a million questions. I love it. I love theater. I almost became a teacher and so on and so forth. So my passion for young adults is, is there and out there and available to kind of help and answer any questions about the crazy world and fun world of Broadway. Well, it is crazy and fun. And I have had a wonderful time speaking with you today, Mark. Before I let you go, is there anything we didn't talk about or I didn't ask you about that you wanted to talk about today specifically? Like, did I miss anything? You did not miss anything and you got a lot more than I thought. You've covered everything. Yes, you covered everything. Fantastic. Now, I will put myself on a brief hold while you reach out and snag me an interview with Sutton Foster. Okay, I'll wait. (laughs) Oh, I accidentally called Sarah Jessica instead of Sutton. Oh, man. It's my eyesight on my phone. Sutton is right under Sarah Jessica. Oh, well, maybe next time. Sorry about that. Sorry, Sarah. Go back to Matthew. Okay. Nice. Mark, David, Levine, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day and your Broadway-filled producing schedule to hang out and let us get to know you a little bit better on Fascination Street, man. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Stephen. I don't know your middle name, Owen. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) You have a great rest of your week. And thanks again, Michael. I appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Opening music is the song Magnolia from the 2001 album Intransigence, used with permission from Douglas Miles Clark. Closing music is from the song Say My Name off the 2021 album Underdog Anthems, used with permission from Jax Hollow. If you like the show, tell a friend. Subscribe and rate and review the show on iTunes and wherever else you download podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel. All the episodes are available there as well. Check me out on Vero at Fascination Street Pod and TikTok at Fascination Street Pod. And again, thanks for listening. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.